That's right. It's the Dirt Bike Channel Podcast. This is your host, Kyle Brotherson. It's been too long. I keep saying that. But man, this has been a busy summer for me and a busy, busy, busy time. I, I think it's only getting more and more busy, and I'm just kind of worried that I got to figure something out. I got to fig- I got to figure out how to manage my time better or hire some things out or whatnot because it's getting busy. Today, though, we're going to have an awesome podcast. I actually want to talk about the first 10 hours on the 2020 Sherco 300 SEF factory. That's a bike that I've been riding here for the last little bit. Um, I kind of I cycle and I go through bikes um, and I, I try not to ride. A lot of times I try not to ride the same back, bike back to back. Um, maybe I will if I'm on like a, a like a longer trip or something. But if I'm just here in Utah, um, I try to ride, you know, one bike one time and then the next bike the other time. Every once in a while, I'll ride the bike two or three times in a row, especially if it's shorter rides and I'm just trying to like kind of get an idea of of what's going on with it. Um, and I've been riding the Sherco. I've ridden it several times. I've got 10 motor hours on the bike. And it's funny because in 10 motor hours, you really, really start to kind of get an idea of what a bike is like. I try to ride the bikes anywhere between, you know, 15 to 100 hours before I do a full review on the bikes. And this is by no means a full review of this bike because I've, I still have more testing to come. But I definitely have developed... Uh, I've, I've developed a little bit of a relationship with the bike and I kind of know what the bike is about now after 10 hours. And so I wanted to do this in podcast form, uh, and kind of tell you guys what I'm feeling on the bike, what I'm seeing on the bike. And then obvious, and then this video might make it out to YouTube as well. Uh, just to get a little bit, uh, to give you guys a, a few other places to find this. Obviously, if you're just watching this on YouTube, you ought to subscribe to the dirt bike channel podcast. You can get this podcast wherever podcasts are you know downloaded from whatever provider you get them from whether it's apple google stitcher um or anywhere in between all of those all the places uh that do podcasts you should be able to find the dirt bike channel podcast and uh subscribe to that thing and and tell your friends about it so that's what we're going to talk about today or the first 10 hours on the sherco 300 acf factory i kind of broke these down into just three different categories i've got uh needs improvement so far that I've found, I've got some really good things about the bike and then just some things that I noticed that are neither good or bad, but just some things that I've noticed um, on the bike as I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, testing it. Also, see these uh, these blue light glasses right here? I'm going to put the blue light glasses on. Just I've been wearing these for the last month or so, and they just kind of help me so at the end of the day, my eyes don't hurt as bad. Uh, so these are no, there are no prescription on these things. Um, promotion company that I work with that uh, I get a lot of my uh, shirts and different things from. They sent me these things to see if I wanted to offer these for sale on my website. I don't know if I do, uh, but I have been using them. And my kids think <laughs> my kids think that I need glasses or something. Um, but it just takes kind of the, it filters the blue light out. And especially because I've got a, a big light here up above the monitor. Um, this is just kind of nice. So it doesn't strain my eyes. And I think it's helping. I, I, I think it's helping. So let's jump into the Sherco 2020, uh, 2020 Sherco 300 SEF factory. This is a four stroke. Um, here are the things, and you guys are going to, you guys are going to hate me for this, at least some of the Sherco guys, but I'm going to start out with the things that need improvement. Um, and then we'll go to the good things and then just, you know, the, the random things that I noticed. Um, the first thing that's kind of on my mind, and this is in no particular order of like, if it's a problem or not, it's just something that I wrote down. Uh, the first thing that I think needs improvement is the air filter. 
Um, the air filter on the Sherco is under the seat, and I'm not really a fan of air filters under the seat. The problem is, is that as you're kind of like finagling the air filter down in there, it's really, it doesn't fit super well, and it could be very, very easy. You know how air filters have like the little cage, like the plastic cage that you uh, put the put the foam filter around? It would be very, very easy if you're not extremely careful to tear the filter kind of off of that plastic cage as you're pushing it down through the frame and down in there to get it to to get it to fit to the actual air box. It would be way easy to do that and get it installed wrong and then suck dirt in the motor. You guys might think that's nitpicking, but it, it really isn't because you've got to have a clean air filter in the bike. And even more important than a clean air filter is a well fitted air filter. Okay. And this is a problem I see with this bike. I don't think it's a good idea to have the air filter under the seat. It's too hard to get it in there. They need to do something more uh, accessible. Yamaha has it up on the top of the tank. KTM has it on the side. A lot of the bikes like KTM and Beta and Husky have the bike on the side. So yes, it is technically a toolless air filter because you don't even have to have a tool to take the seat off the Sherco, which is cool. Um, but it, it kind of screws in there with this long little knurled uh, screw. And it's kind of hard to get that thing to thread. I've done it several times and I thought I would get better at it. And if you're just a kid, if you give this bike to your kid or whatever, dude, they might not be able to get that thing in there properly. And I think that's something that needs improvement. So the air filter uh, location, not super great. Easy to, in easy to install it wrong and suck dirt out, okay? Next thing I've noticed, it's the oil filler cap. <laughs> so I have the Sherco factory. <clears throat> the factory has a uh, Akrapovic exhaust, a Kropovich, I should say, a Kropovich exhaust, and that's really, really cool. But your oil filler cap is located directly under the header pipe on this bike, like directly under it. I, I posted some pictures of this on, on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, and I, and I basically said, dear Sherco, while it's a good idea to have, you know, an oil, like oil screens on your oil plugs and a magnetic oil, um, plug. So it kind of picks up the, the metal shavings in the, in the oil. Those are good ideas. It's not a good idea to put the oil filler cap directly under the header pipe. And there's all, there's very, very little clearance. And it's really hard to actually take that off and without kind of burning yourself. Anyone who knows anything about changing oil, you know that you need to change the oil when it's when the when the oil is warm, preferably if the motor's hot. You know, you can let it cool down a little bit and, and that's fine. Um, but the header pipe gets hot almost in instantaneously on these four strokes. The header pipe is hot enough to burn the crap out of you within 10 seconds of the bike being on. And because it's not a two-stroke, it, it holds it holds the heat there, and so that stays hot for a long time. So yeah, you can heat up the bike and everything and then, you know, wait for 10 minutes and let that cool off and then it maybe won't burn you. But as soon as you go to like check the actual oil, when you go to put oil and then it's hard to get the oil in there because the, the oil filler cap is directly over that. So you need like a special funnel or something. And it's just like, this is, this was not thought out properly. It's directly under the, under the header pipe. And then, okay. So you put however much oil you think is, is, you know, going to be the right amount of oil and it has a sight window, 
a sight glass on this bike. So then I put some oil in there. I wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure how much oil I needed to put in. I looked at the manual, you know, but this time I wasn't doing oil filter change because I didn't had done an oil filter change before. Um, and so if you're not going to change the oil filter, which I don't change the oil filters every time, that oil looked so pristine when it came out. And so once I saw how clean the oil looked, I'm like, I'm going to skip the oil filter change this time. And so I didn't know exactly how much oil put in there. Um, and then, so you start the bike and you let it run for, you know, 10, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and then you kill the bike to actually see where the oil is in the sight glass. And at that point, your oil, your header pipe is hotter than Hades again, you know? And so you're kind of, yeah, if you waited 20 minutes in between each time, then you wouldn't get burned. But the point is we just need the header pipe or, you know, this location of the oil filter to be in a slightly different place so that you, it's not direct. It's just, it's not a good design. You know, so anyway, oil filters right under the hot exhaust. That's a problem. Another kind of interesting thing, and, and this is just maybe nitpicking, but you have to remove the skid plate in order to change the oil because it has two oil plugs that come directly out of the bottom of the motor. And that's good because they drain. It's, it's good to have them drain really nice, but you do have to take the skid plate off every time because on some of the other bikes like betas and KTMs and just random ones, not everyone does this. Um, but they'll kind of have the oil plug on the bottom of the case, but coming out the side. And so then you can kind of drain your oil out without taking your skid plate off on this bike. I mean, technically you could drill holes in your skid plate that go directly up in there. And if I was keeping this bike, that's probably what I would do. That way I don't have to take the skid plate off every time I change the oil, but just something to note. Um, uh, one other thing that <clears throat> I'm not, I don't love and that is that the battery is down below the airbox. Now, the benefit of that is that, you know, it's basically right down below the air filter. The benefit of this is it kind of keeps the center of gravity on the bike pretty low, you know, and so that's a good thing. The problem is that uh, it gets, the battery gets trashed with dirt and oil because all your, any of the oil that is like residual oil, that's a little bit too much oil that is on your air filter, it then drops straight down onto the battery and then you've got oil there and then it just attracts all this dirt. So the top of your battery looks like a war zone and really hard to get in there and clean that, especially clean that without dumping dirt down in your airbox. And let's just say that you had to jump the bike for some reason, <clears throat> like some crazy thing happened. You ran your battery dead and you had to jump the bike. Well, it's, you'd have to put those leads way down in there and you could never do this with having the air filter on. You cannot access the battery without taking off your air filter. I just think that's, there's not a lot of foresight into that thing, you know? And so I, I think that it's a kind of a terrible place for the battery to be just because you can't get to it until you take the air filter off. And if you were ever going to jump the bike, how much do you want to jump the bike while you're putting air, you're putting like jumper cable leads and can you even get your jumper cable leads down in there that far? Depends on how big your jumper cable, you know, um, terminals are, I guess, because it's kind of tucked way down in there. And I don't think that is a, a good spot to have it. Um, something else, the way that Sherco has the radiators designed is very, very easy to bend the radiators. So, and I know this because of the dealer who sold it to me and other people who reached out to me and they said, look, you cannot ride this bike at all without putting radiator guards on. Otherwise you'll bend them because you set the bike over on its side and you're going to bend the radiator. So I had to install radiator guards right away. Now I know a lot of people do this 
on all their bikes. Um, but I do have certain bikes now that I haven't felt like I really needed to install any radiator guards on um, because we weren't bending radiators. Or even if we were, we were only barely bending them. But that's something that, that happens. These radiators are easy to bend. So then I put, you know, a uh, Bulletproof Designs radiator guards on there just immediately. Something else is the rear brake sticks out too far. If you look at a Sherco and you look down, especially if you're sitting on the bike and you just look down and you see how far the brake is out from the side of the clutch case, it's kind of staggering how far it, it, it sticks out. It sticks out a long ways. And what happens is it can be really easy to bend that thing. Now, I've been really, really careful with the bike. Um, it's not one of my quote, soft enduro bikes. I've just been taking it in places where I wasn't going to get into a lot of trouble because I don't like doing hard enduro slash soft enduro on four strokes. I just don't. It's not the right tool for the job. So I, I've been careful with it. But if I rode this bike, like I ride my two strokes, that thing would bend off. It would be, it would get, it would just get trashed, you know? So there's gotta be a way to get that rear brake closer into the bike, closer into that, uh, clutch cover. Um, that's one. Oh, it, where I really, really notice it a lot is when I sit down and go to like, let's say I'm standing up on the bike and then I, I have kind of a tight corner or something and I sit down on the bike. What happens is boom, I just hit that. My toe just hits that rear brake like immediately because it sticks out so far, it's sticking out further than it is on other bikes. And so it makes it so I just grab the rear brake in inadvertently. And I've stalled the bike multiple times because of that. Just, I just sit down on the bike and boom, stall it. So you're going to have to adjust your riding position a little bit or find some way to bend that brake lever in. I don't know if there's aftermarket uh, options for that. I did hear that this is something that Cody Webb, you know, Sherco factory, Sherco off-road rider was kind of working on and didn't love. Um, so that's, that's something. Um, I don't love the stock foot pegs. The stock, stock foot pegs come out completely flat on the Sherco. And this is more of like, I don't know, like you like even a trials thing on all of the off-road other, all of the other off-road dirt bikes that I've had over the last 10 years, minus maybe the other Shurkos, they've all had an upward camber to the foot pegs. So they come out of the frame and then the tips of the foot pegs are up raised a few degrees. This helps to lock you in on the bike and it helps to make it so that you don't have to kind of hold with your core quite so hard and just like squeeze the bike so hard because the way the foot pegs are, it kind of locks you in on the bike. Everyone else is doing this. KTM, Honda, Beta, um, Yamaha, Husqvarna, all the other bikes have an upward camber to the pegs. The Sherco is a flat camber and that just makes it uh, so you have to squeeze a little bit harder. Now, that's not a huge thing. It's just something that I don't like. Um, and so I've installed some fast way foot pegs that kind of have an upward where I can adjust the upward camber to them. And so I've done that. Um, the grips, the grips on the Shurkos, I've had three, I think three different Shurkos now and the Shurko, the grips that they put on the Shurko, it says Shurko, they look cool. Um, but they're so freaking hard. The compound is so freaking hard. And I ride, I ride a fair amount. I'm riding once a week, sometimes one and a half times a week. Um, the first time I rode the Shurko, I got, I got blisters on my thumb here. You know how you have, they, in fact, they have like products for this. They have those kind of like, um, foam rubber donut things that you put on the end of your, you put on your grip and slide it all the way over so that you don't get uh, like a, like a blister right here on your thumb, kind of that, that first knuckle on your thumb. Well, I don't really ever get blisters there, but the first time I rode the Sherco, boom. And I'd been riding all these other bikes. So it wasn't like I was in, 
it wasn't like I wasn't in shape, but I, boom, I got, I got blisters on both thumbs right there the first time with those grips. And I'm going, what gives, man? And so I had to cut those off after the first ride. And then here's something that I, I've been hesitant to share, but I, and this is the last thing I'm going to talk about that I'm like, I don't know what is going on here, but I don't love. So I ride dirt bikes now and I ride, you know, once a week. Um, last week I was actually up on a trip in Idaho and I rode four days in a row, four days in a row. We did about 200 miles of single track. Uh, some of the days were grew. Most of the days were pretty long. I mean, they were long days on the bike cause we were doing some filming, um, hired, I hired a film guy, uh, to come and help us, um, at generical. If you check him out on, on Instagram at generical, uh, hired Chris to come out and do some filming for us on this Idaho trip. And we were out for four days and I was riding two different of my K two of my KTMs, 250 XC and, and 300 XCW. I rode for four days and I wasn't sore. I wasn't even sore a, a little bit after those four day, after that four day ride. Here's the weird thing. Every single time that I've ridden the Sherco 300 SEF factory, I am really sore two days after. Let me say that again. Every time I've ridden it, I've been sore. I don't really get sore after dirt bike rides anymore. It doesn't matter whether I'm riding the beta. doesn't matter whether I'm riding a Yamaha, KTM, whatever, Honda. I've ridden Kawasaki's. I don't really get sore. I, that was a thing that used to happen to me five, six, seven years ago. I would get sore after like a grueling ride or something, but I don't really get sore now after these rides. But, and I, I just started to notice it because there, even the last time I rode the bike, it wasn't that grueling of a ride. I was up at uh, Willow Creek. If, if any of you guys here in Utah know where that is. And I was riding with Tyler and, and Gary and some different guys, um, Tyler's brothers, um, Spencer and Jason. And the next day and the day after that, I was a little bit sore. My back was sore. My hamstrings were sore. And I'm going, what did I do? And then I went, wait, I rode the, I rode the Sherco. The time before that, I was riding up American Fort Canyon here in Utah. I was just alone. Didn't do, didn't do a really long ride. And two days later, because I'm, I'm that guy, I'm the 48 hour guy, 48 hours after I'm sore. There was a time I rode the bike over at, um, uh, Stansbury front for those of you in Utah. And I was just alone. Uh, I was playing around and testing with a new drone that I got. And I rode the bike for, I don't know, 40, 50 miles. And there was, and I got so sore. My hamstrings and lower back were so sore after that ride. Cause I pushed it really hard for a while. I couldn't even hardly walk with my wife. I went on a, I went on a date with my wife the day after, and we were just going to go walking for a little bit. You know, we went to dinner and we were going to go walking and I had to cut our walk short because it hurt so bad. Like my hamstrings were so freaking tight. I don't know what it is. I've moved the handlebars. I, I know the handlebars are a little bit lower. The bars have a little bit lower bend to them, but I've moved them forward. I've kind of rotated them forward. I have changed the position of the foot pegs. I'm actually now, or I mean, I, I changed the foot pegs. I'm actually now going to drop the foot pegs down and back because I have the ability to do that with the, with the fast way foot pegs. I don't know what it is guys. And I'm not saying this is going to be for everybody. And I'm not even saying the bike is the bike is really fun. I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but for whatever reason, 
this bike makes me sore when I ride it. it now, and I bought this bike and this is going to be a sweepstakes bike. So this is the thing. I'm totally, I'm totally frank and honest with you guys. I just am telling you, it makes me sore. It makes me more sore than these other bikes. Cause you would assume, well, Kyle, then maybe you're just out of riding shape or whatever. Um, because if you ride the bike and you're a little bit sore, and I know there's probably going to be a lot of guys out there that are saying, Hey, Kyle, I'm, I'm always so sore after I ride the bike. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not sore. There was one time that time that I couldn't hardly even walk that happened. I rode the bike on a Tuesday and then Wednesday I could barely even walk. And then Thursday I had another ride scheduled and I was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to ride. And I went out and I rode my KTM 250XC that day. So on Tuesday, I rode the Sherco, got completely like my back and my, and my hamstrings were super tight. Thursday, I've got this ride. I can barely even walk. I'm just like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be crazy. I get on my 250XC, boom, go out on the ride. And I'm able to just rip. I didn't feel any, I didn't feel any like weirdness in my legs. And then I get, and we did a far more, I did far more work on the bike on Thursday on the, on the KTM than I had done on Tuesday on the Sherco. And I was just blitzing it. And I felt so great on the, on the KTM. And then I get off the bike and I'm like struggling to even load the thing because I'm still tight in my hamstrings. So it's just something that I'm going to continue to play with. But every time I've ridden, I've been more sore than the other bikes. And this isn't a KTM versus Sherco thing. This is beta. This is Yamaha. This is KTM. This is Honda. This is every bike that I get on. This bike, for whatever reason, is making me sore. I don't know why. <clears throat> Let's go into the good things because there are a lot of good things on this bike. Uh, the first thing that I just want to mention, this is a random thing, but I love how the skid plate, it's actually an AXP made skid plate. It, isn't, it doesn't cover the linkage, so that's not great. But your, but your skid plate on this bike is going to be able to bolt to the frame in the front and rear. I wish everybody did this. KTM, why do you not have it so your skid, your skid plates can't bolt to the frame? I know on some, some bikes they do bolt to them, but some of the betas will bolt to the frame. This Sherco actually bolts to the frame with the skid plate, and I think that is awesome in front and rear. Great, great, great. Here's another thing that's great about the bike. The forks are great. It's a KYB fork, and it's valved really, really good. So, you know, not all valving is the same, but this KYB fork, and yes, this is a factory race edition. All you guys out there that are like, Kyle, you're not riding fast enough. No, this fork is actually really good. Really, really good. Really, really good. I actually just have kind of turned my clickers all the way out on this thing and on as far as on the compression. So I've sped up the fork as, fa as fast as I can, and it soaks up the stuff really, really nice. Whether I'm going in a little bit faster stuff or, or slower, more choppy stuff, the fork is really really good. And it's a solid platform. I think a lot of the guys are in the weight range, which, which is kind of where I am 150 to 170. Um, this bike is going to be money, money for you guys. And I do really, really love that front fork. Here's another thing that is pretty cool. Um, and I'll get to another thing on the forks later. Here's another thing that's pretty cool. So the motor, I'm going to say the motor is awesome. The motor doesn't blow you away. In fact, I just rode a 2020 uh, YZ250FX last week-ish. Yeah, last week or the week before, I got to ride the Sherco and the YZ250FX back to back. The YZ250FX is a lot snappier. It's just like a really hard-hitting, snappy, just like in-your-face motor, and I love that. The Sherco is more of a mellow thing. It's more of a mid-range, um, you know, torquey motor, and it doesn't blow your socks off. But what it does do is it does do single track really, really well. It just gets traction. 
and it just has like this uh man like a like a mild demeanor and don't i don't take that the wrong way it's just got a really it's a really cool mix where this thing actually can just chug along and it's really really cool but you can't just all the if you get on all of a sudden you might you might think well this thing is underpowered in the first like little minute because it just it doesn't like snap you really fast but it does make you just go and it's smooth super smooth super torquey and so like if I compare this to that YZ250FX, if I'm going to go ride out in the desert, I do love the way the power comes on the Yamaha better than on the Sherco. But if I'm going to ride, you know, mountain single track or just kind of a little bit more gnarly terrain, a little bit more technical terrain, I take the Sherco for sure because that power is just a little bit more manageable. There's more of it down in the low end and it's just more forgiving and just allows you to kind of do some of the things where you'd be stalling. In my opinion, you stall out the Yamaha 250 FX. And so the motor, it's a really kind of cool little mix. I wish more uh, four strokes had a 300 CC option for us because it's a super sweet, super sweet displacement. I think it's kind of a, you know, it's something that I wish the other manufacturers would do. Um, so another thing that's really good about this bike, it's it, on the factory. I'm not a hundred percent sure on just the standard like race version, but the factory version comes with the um, Akrapovic or Akrapovic um, exhaust, and it's actually spark arrested. And they give you two different spark arresters with the kit. Uh, one's maybe a little bit snappier than the other. I've tried them both. I couldn't really tell the difference. I've got kind of the more high-performance snappy one in there, and it's hard to tell. But it is really cool to have a bike like this that is uh, spark arrested right from the get-go. I think maybe the only other bike that I had like that might have been the Beta 390 RR race edition. It might've been spark arrested. Um, somebody told me it was, but I couldn't remember, but it's really nice to have a spark arrested, uh, exhaust on your bike that you don't have to just go around and, and, you know, turn over and get something else, especially where it's the Akrapovic exhaust. It would be really stupid if you got this Akrapovic that's supposed to be in this upgraded, you know, muffler, and then suddenly you have to go off and, you know, get it spark arrested. That's, that would be really annoying. Um, here's another thing that's really good about the bike. Uh, radiator fan. So on the factory edition, it comes with a radiator fan installed from the factory. I, now, I don't know exactly when it decides to come on. And, and I don't believe that you can program this to like come on at a, at a you know, earlier time or a later time. But it, it does have a radiator fan and the fan is coming on all the time. And that's a really, really good thing. I think more bikes, uh, especially the four strokes, uh, should have radiator fans on them from the factory. And yes, I also think that the hard quote, hard enduro bikes, you know, like maybe like a KTM XCW bike, it should come with a radiator fan. It probably should, you know, but they're always looking to bring costs down and bring weight down. Um, so, but, but I'm glad that Sherco has that on their factory model. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another thing about the bike that is really, really good. The bike turns super quick. It is super quick. It might be, probably is the fastest turning um, and like quickest, just kind of changing direction thing of any four stroke that I've ever been on. And that's really, really cool. In fact, if you're just going to ride, you know, like mountain single track and stuff, and you have to be on a four stroke, this bike is going to be really hard to beat because although it actually weighs a little bit more than in these other models, it feels really light and it turns really quick, very, very quick you kind of forget almost that you're on a four stroke because of the way this thing turns and it's just so agile and so nimble. Um, and again, it feels super light. 
So then here's some of the things I, so that kind of wraps up the things that are good. Here's some of the things that I've noticed and I wanted to tie it in right now. The bike actually feels so light that when you, if you ride it in its stock fork height, that's the height above the triple clamps where these forks are placed, it feels a little bit twitchy. And especially when the speeds get a little bit higher. And this is something that I noticed on the 2017 version of this bike, the 304 stroke that I did in 2017. It just kind of felt a little bit twitchy, a little bit unstable. So the thing with this is, okay, where are you going to ride this? If you're going to be riding it out in the desert or you're going to be in like third gear, fourth gear terrain, you'll probably want to move the forks down in the triple clamps just a little bit. If you're just doing like slow, more technical stuff in the woods where you want to change direction really fast, then you could leave the forks right where they are um, when you get it. And the bike is going to feel really, really agile and really, really nimble. For me, I needed the bike. I felt like I wanted to have the bike a little bit more stable. And so I dropped my forks down three millimeters in the triple clamps. And that made the, the, that made the kind of the changes that I was looking for. It's just a little bit, it's a little bit more stable. It doesn't feel quite as light now. I'll be honest because it's amazing what this will do if you just drop your forks just a little bit or you raise your forks. If you raise your forks up in the clamps, it makes the bike a little bit, it shortens the overall wheelbase. It makes the bike feel more twitchy, a little bit less stable, but faster to turn, easier to turn, easier to lay over into a corner. Um, and the, the opposite happens when you, when you drop the bike down, you're lengthening the wheelbase and you know, the bike becomes more stable, but it's not quite as quick to turn in those things. So um, I did drop the bike down just three millimeters in the, in the triple clamps or the forks, three millimeters in the triple clamps. And that gave me kind of the thing that I was looking for. Um, just one last thing that I noticed in the beginning, I thought the bike didn't start very well because it, it is slow to start when, especially when it's hot, you know, and because it doesn't have a backup Kickstarter, I'm like, this could be a major problem. Um, but as I rode it more and more, what I realized is that you actually can give and should give crack your throttle open just a little bit and that little bit and that makes the bike fire just a touch faster in some cases a lot faster there was one time and the reason why this is so interesting to me is because all of the other uh, you know fuel injected bikes I've had especially the four strokes in the last many years if you give throttle on the bike when you're trying to crank it the bike will not start. I know this is how it was with my beta 300, uh, 390 race edition last year. You could not touch the throttle. In fact, that was something that the dealers told me. And even Tim Pilge told me the president of beta USA, he's like, make sure you take your hand all the way off the throttle because the bike will not start if you have the throttle open. And this also happened with my 2020 Yamaha YZ250 FX. It would not start if you cracked the throttle especially if you cracked it very much. Like sometimes you could crack the throttle on the YZ just a teeny bit and it would start. But if you gave really any quote gas, you're not giving gas, you're just opening the throttle. If you gave it any gas, open the throttle very far on the Yamaha, there was no way the bike was ever going to start. You'd run the battery dead before the bike started. This bike, the Sherco is just the opposite. If you want to make it start quicker, especially once it's warm, open the throttle a little bit, crack the throttle open, and then suddenly the bike fires to life. There was one time that I cranked on the bike for five to 10 seconds. And this is when I had no, you know, I'm just fingers off the throttle and I just boom, hit the thumbs, the thumbs, thumb switch there. And it, it wasn't going to start. I'm like, this thing is going to go dead before it starts. And then on the next ride, I just started to crack the throttle open and boom, it's starting a lot better. Something else that I've noticed is that the, um, the clutch pull, the clutch pull on the bike, and I'm just going to make a note of this because it just popped into my head. I've got to put this down in my notes. 
the clutch pull is heavier on this bike. It's heavier than on the other bikes that I'm currently testing it against right now. And it's weird because it has a Brembo clutch cylinder, um, master cylinder up there on your left hand. And it appears to be the same even model as the KTM. It's like the Brembo number 10. Um, but it may, it's either it's valved differently inside. It's got a different piston or something inside there, the master cylinder, or they just have stiffer springs inside the motor. And I've noticed this on the two stroke too. the, the two stroke version of the Shirko, It's just a little bit heavier of a clutch pull. So it's something to note, something to put in, in, in the back of your head, because it is just a little harder to pull the clutch. That isn't a super big issue, but it becomes a more, more of a compounding issue throughout the day. As you ride the bike, it just, you know, can fatigue your hand a little bit more, especially if you're doing some of the nastier riding, some of that hard enduro or soft enduro type stuff. It's just something that you're going to have to, uh, to have to deal with. So, I mean, those are, those are my thoughts on the first, you know, 10 hours of riding the Sherco. I have had a really good time on the bike. Um, but I'm, the biggest thing is I'm wondering why I'm a little bit more sore when I ride that thing. Why is my lower back sore? Why are my hamstrings sore after riding the bike? And I thought it would go away after I changed the foot pegs, but it hasn't. So there's something about my body position on this bike. And if it was just, if it was just like, oh, I just have two different bikes and you could say, well, Kyle, you're more used to the KTM, but I don't get, I don't get sore on the Yamahas. I don't get sore on the Betas. I don't get sore on the Huskies. I haven't gotten sore on the Hondas that I've ridden. I'm going to be hopefully getting a new Kawasaki here in the next little bit. The Kawasaki uh, KX250X. We'll see about that, but I'm riding a lot of different bikes. And this one makes me sore. I don't, and, and I don't remember the other Shirkos getting me sore. So if, if everything goes right, maybe I'll get a 2021 Shirko 302 stroke next year and kind of check and see what they've done with their counterbalancing. And we'll see. Is it just this bike or is it what's happening with the Shirkos? And, you know, if I'm, I'm got to admit some of the fault. It's got to be some of the body position. It's got to be some of me, but I'm trying to ride this bike the same as I'm riding these other ones. And it just goes to show you that every one of these bikes are an indiv individual. They and little little nuances on the bikes can make a big big difference. So I would like to hear from you guys. If if there's more of you out there that have the Sherco 300 SEF factories, uh, send me an email, Kyle at DirtBikeChannel.com. Tell me if you've noticed anything like this, because um, it's kind of weird. And if you watch this on YouTube, put it down in the comments. Let me know if you have any like low back pains or hamstring pains or anything when you get off of your Sherco, because I'd just like to see. You know, the best way to get a hold of me is to is to email me, Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. If you have topic suggestions for these podcasts, go ahead and email those to me. And um, yeah, oh, keep in mind, we've got a sweepstakes coming up. The Sherco is starting October 15th until December 15th. The Sherco will be one of the sweepstakes bikes. I'm going to give this bike away. I'm going to give the KTM 300XCW TPI and the 250XC TPI. All three of those bikes are going away this year. So this fall, this this winter, whatever. That's what I've got for you guys. Until next time, let's leave a single track. Thanks.